0: One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Well, um, just as I said, it's about people. And today, uh, that's what we are focusing on. Just as we are preparing the building, I believe God is preparing us as his people. And we want to be a people prepared. That's what John the Baptist was called to make a people ready for the coming of the Lord, for the coming of the kingdom. And I believe that that's part of what God has for us in this season, that we are being prepared as a people. And part of that is that we would be prepared uh, in the area of the prophetic. And uh, I know maybe some of you uh, maybe more familiar, more experienced uh, around uh, the prophetic and the gift of prophecy and the office of a prophet. Um, if you're unfamiliar with it, Ephesians 4:11 says that God has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the. I think I got them all there for the equipping of the saints, um, for the the building up of the body, and so those five gifts are essential in order to build us as God's people into who he's called us to be. And today we have an incredible honor, uh, and I really mean that an honor to have a great friend uh, with us today who is a prophet. And uh, he doesn't walk around with a t-shirt that says, I'm a prophet, but it's the fruit of his life. And uh, I'm talking about my friend, Russ Klein, who's with us this morning. And I know most of you don't know Russ. Uh, Jarrett knows Russ. Uh, Hannah Stoddart, you know Russ. Uh, But the rest of you are just meeting Russ for the first time today. But Russ has been a family friend of uh, of ours for probably 25 years. Uh, In the mid 90s, uh, I got to, I was in high school, but I went with a group that Russ and his wife Kim were a part of to Russia. And uh, we've known them for many, many years. And um, when I say that he is a prophet, it's the fruit of his life. Uh, God uses Russ uh, in an incredible way. And um, it's not about being, you know, spooky or kind of hocus pocus. Uh, it's really about uh, bringing people into a greater awareness of the presence of God and the voice of God. And that is essential for us. Uh, And so Russ and I really had been talking for a few months about the right moment to have him come. And uh, we weren't able to find a moment that his schedule and our schedule and our meeting time lined up. And uh, so when we had to move online today, I said, man, I feel like this could be the moment. And I reached out to Russ and he said, I am available. And so Russ, we're so uh, excited to have you with us today. Um, like I said, Russ, most people don't know you, but most people have heard me tell a testimony, uh, of yours. And that is the testimony of you and Kim believing God for your daughter, Shekinah. And, um, Russ, I don't want to steal your thunder. I don't know if you'll share this, but, um, some of you have heard me tell the story of a couple that believed God to have a baby, and they had a word that God was going to give them a daughter. They had a name that God had given them for their daughter. Uh, and they even had a room that they had prepared the, the nursery in faith for what God was going to do. And, uh, you know, honestly, at that time, I thought, wow, they've really stepped out. Um, they've prepared the room, they've got it ready. And now they have the daughter that God promised to them. And Russ, I think she's 19 now. Is that right?
1: right. Yep. 19. And
0: uh, she is uh, the, the daughter that, that God spoke to them that they would have. And so uh, even as Russ is with us today, I think God just wants to impart faith into all of our hearts for what he wants to do. And especially for those of you that may be believing God for children that have not yet had children, I believe God Uh, wants to release faith into your hearts, just as God has put that faith into Russ and Kim's heart. And uh, so Russ, thank you so much for making time in your schedule today. I know uh, you are in a hotel, you're going to be checking out and uh, traveling today. So thanks for making time for us, so I'd love to encourage all of you guys as much as possible, just to focus in. You may want to grab a pen, a piece of paper, and uh, I believe that God's going to speak to us over the next 45 minutes or so. And so, Russ, I'm going to turn it over to you, and uh, let me pray, and, and then Russ, I just uh, invite you to, to jump in. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for your presence, God. We thank you that where two or more are gathered, God, you're in the midst. And Lord, we pray that in spite of the natural challenges, God, we ask that you would come. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would invade every home, invade every heart. Father, we pray against distractions today. We pray everything technically would work. And God, we pray that there would be a gift of faith imparted into our hearts to receive not just Russ's word, but your word through Russ today. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Russ, we'll mute ourselves, but we're, we're, we're saying amen. Hallelujah. And so you feel free to go ahead and take it away.
1: Amen. Well, thank you, Justin. I appreciate it. It is uh, an honor to be with you all today. Uh, just by um, uh, way of information, Justin, my Zoom froze a couple of times during the last 20 minutes. So if it freezes while I'm speaking... We'll just have so, to try to, we'll, we'll
0: do, we'll stop for discussion. If it freezes on your end, we'll,
1: we'll. <laughs> all right. Take a break for Sounds discussion. real good. But it, it's great. It's uh, great to get a chance to, to meet you all um, even by zoom for a little bit. And so uh, it's an honor to be with you. I'm actually over in Sarasota. I ministered twice over here yesterday and this afternoon I'll drive your way and we'll be in Orlando for the general council of the Assemblies of God for a week. But Justin was giving a little bit of introduction. And just so uh, we get to know each other a little bit more, um, my wife Kim and I met at Bible College in a traveling music group and been married now 37 years. And uh, for 35 years, we've been traveling around the world. So by the grace of God, we spent 35 years traveling around the world. Uh, God has taken us to six continents and over 40 nations uh, declaring the word of the Lord. And it's, it's been an honor and a privilege. Um, Justin was talking about the miracle we had of our daughter Shekinah. So Kim and I had been married for 17 years, traveling, ministering, and doctors told us we could never have children. And my wife is very prophetic herself. She had um, the audible voice of the Lord come to her and said, I will make you a Hannah. If you remember in scripture, Hannah could not have a a child. She prayed and cried out for God to give her a son and the prophet Samuel was given. And so um, in 1989, the audible voice of the Lord came to my wife and said, you will be in Hannah. In 1990, she had a visitation from the Lord, and in that experience, you saw a young woman uh, ministering in in another nation. It was a large outdoor crowd, and signs and wonders and miracles were happening, and people were finding Jesus. And in this experience, my wife asked the Lord, who is this? And the Lord said, this is your daughter. Her name is Shekinah, which many of you may know is the Hebrew word for the glory of God. And the Lord said, uh, my glory will be on her. So for, for um, what, 10, 12 years we declared around the world we were gonna have a daughter named Shekinah. So in early 2001, I was, um, you say Hannah Stoddard is with you guys too, is that right? Um, I I was with uh, Hannah's dad and and a team from um, Pastor Ron Johnson's church uh, in Hampton. We were in Pakistan. And so as we were over there training and encouraging church planters to reach the 58 unreached people groups in Pakistan, um, my wife was back home in Hampton, Virginia, had a checkup, just a, a doctor's appointment, and found out for the first time she was pregnant. And so, uh, like Justin said, as our daughter is 19 years old now, she's been traveling with us all over the world. And so she was raised in uh, the atmosphere of, of faith, of the prophetic. So uh, Shekinah found Jesus, at, gave her life to Jesus at two years old, three years old, began speaking in tongues, five years old, She started laying hands on sick people and praying for them. They were being healed. At seven years old, she began to prophesy. And so it's just amazing. She's a normal, regular, you know, young adult woman. And, you know, she could be dramatic and all these other things. But in the midst of that, God uses a normal, ordinary young woman to uh, see the supernatural. And that's one of the things that I want to encourage you to remember is that God's not looking for the super spiritual. What he's looking for is just the available. And every one of us can be available to the Lord. You know, I jokingly tell people in scripture, God spoke to uh, Balaam. If you remember, God spoke to Balaam through a donkey. And so the, the only qualification to be uh, let God use used to be a donkey. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, God will use whoever makes himself available. And, and so we've been honored and privileged to see God uh, move in the areas of the prophetic and the supernatural and evangelism. Uh, for a lot of years. And and so um, Justin was talking about the role of the prophetic, and I'm not going to teach on the prophetic today, but I, I want to talk a little bit about the role of the prophetic and the voice of God in times of transition, in times of change. And I think all, all of us can agree that our whole world is in a time of change, a time of transition. Um, the thing God keeps speaking in my heart is this, we need to change, not because of circumstances, we need to change because of the direction of the Holy Spirit. Um, I had a good friend that many times he would react to circumstances, and his, his ministry, his life, many times were all over the map because he was constantly reacting to something he saw as a negative or a, a, a circumstance that didn't fit what he thought should be. And so he was constantly reacting to things And I said to my friend, you need to respond to the Holy Spirit and not react to circumstances. So I want to say this to all of us, that the change that God is doing in the church is not because of the pandemic. It is not because of political circumstances in our nation or nations around the world. God is not responding to the conditions of the world. He is leading this church, though, by his Holy Spirit. And I believe that's one of the reasons we need the voice of the Lord. So we're not looking around us being driven by what's going on around us and by voices and opinions that are not of God. And so we need to respond to the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah chapter 43, God gave a prophetic word through the prophet Isaiah. And he said, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So I want to say this. God was not caught by surprise by 2020 and 2021. God's not playing catch up, trying to get the church somehow to a point where we can survive and then actually thrive and respond to the circumstances around us. I believe if we are a revelational people, a people that hear the voice of God, we are going to be ahead of the curve. In Deuteronomy 28, there is a list of the blessings of God that come for obedience. And one of the blessings of God that come when we live lives of obedience is that we would be the head and not the tail. And back in the, you know, in the 80s and 90s, a lot of people were saying, well, being the head means you have the biggest car, the nicest house, the biggest bank account. Now, I'm not against prosperity from God, but the greatest sign of God's work in our life is not how much money we have, how how many materials things we have. Being the head and not the tail means that we don't follow; we lead. We don't follow the traditions of the world. We don't follow the dictates of culture. We're not just trying to respond um, in a you know in a, in a in a non-offensive way. What we're trying to do is hear the Holy Spirit so we can follow him, and my my belief is this, that the church ought to be at the leading edge of every part of culture. I think the greatest breakthroughs in business, in medicine, in technology, in every dimension of culture ought to come out of the people of God, because God who created the world is living inside of us by his Holy Spirit, and so when we follow him, we are not just responding to circumstances, around us; we're led by the Spirit of God. And that's one of the roles of the prophet and the prophetic. It's not to tell people what to do, but hopefully it is to speak the heart, mind, and will of the Lord so that we can discern and say, what is God doing? And where is God taking us? And I want to say this just so we're all you know, on the same page when it comes to prophets and prophecy. Guys, we don't live our lives by prophecies. We live our lives by the written word of God. You know, there's a lot of people right now that are having a lot of questions about the prophetic because, you know, in uh, the early part of the virus last year, uh, there were prophets coming out saying it was going to be over in a few weeks. Some said it was going to be over by Passover last year. Some said it was going to be over by Pentecost last year, and (laughs) that didn't happen. And then it came to the election, and there were prophets prophesying a certain outcome, and that did not happen regardless of what your views are, whether, whether you believe it's a pandemic, a pandemic, whether you're pro-mask, anti-mask, whether you believe the election was stolen or not stolen, those are not issues that need to drive us. Those are not issues that need to define us. You probably have opinions. I have strong opinions on all those issues. But you see, what drives my heart, what leads my life is not my opinion on elections or my
0: That's a good point, <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll let Russ jump back in as soon as he uh, reconnects. And uh, that's about the best frozen Zoom face I've ever seen. Mine's normally contorted in some. Oh, Russ, we lost you for a second, but keep going, brother. It's awesome. Hey, sometimes if you take okay. off the you video. Know... Sometimes if you take off the video,
1: it helps if the if the internet connection okay. is not as good. Okay. It, well, thank you. You can, you can tell keep, me that. So, can, you just, keep you keep here. It does. Yeah. If it does stop again, let me know, and I'll turn the video off.
0: Okay. Thanks, Russ. Okay. That's great.
1: No, I thank you for that. That info, I appreciate it. Um, and so, what we understand is, in the Old Testament, when a prophet spoke, the people of Israel didn't test the prophecy; they obeyed the prophecy. But we're in the new testament it's not the same type of thing because you as believers in jesus have the same holy spirit in you as any prophet or apostle on planet earth you have the written word of god and when a prophet speaks you got to take that prophecy and test it according to the written word of god the witness of the holy spirit in your life and the leaders god's put in your life when when we were part of the apostolic team with pastor ron and sandy and in, in virginia you know, we we oversaw the prophetic ministry for the church and, and much of the network. Even during that time, I didn't go to Ron and say, God said, you got to do this. I would come, my wife and I would come and say, here's what we sense. Why don't you pray this through and test it out? Because the job of prophecy is not to control people. It is to offer um, some insight into what God is thinking and saying, so you and I can, can test it. But God always prepares us for seasons of transition and change. Uh, Before there's a visitation of God, before there's a revelation of the glory of God, God will raise up prophets that will prepare the people, will call the people to repentance, will lay out um, at least a a vision or a thumbnail of the change that God is bringing. I think of Elijah. When I was was growing up, I'm 58 years old now, and I I, uh, found Christ when I was five years old got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was nine years old, started preaching on the streets at 15 years old, started preaching in churches at 16 years old, and now I've been traveling for 35 years full time. Um, and when, when I was a teenager and a street preacher back in the 70s, you know, right after the, the hippie movement and all of that, um, one of my favorite characters in Scripture has always been Elijah. And I love that, the prophet of fire, with the willingness to stand and confront the false prophets of his day and of his age. And I, I truly am praying. God, raise up again men and women with the heart of Elijah that will stand against the false gods and the false philosophies and the false prophecies coming in our culture. You know, money, much of the we're we're living in a day where there's so much false information. If we're not led by the Spirit of God, we don't even know how to discern medical truth and political truth, much less spiritual truth. And so. Um, I love that, that, that anointing of Elijah to confront the prophets of Baal, the false prophets right on their own territory, and call down fire. But here's what I, I God got a hold of me years ago. And he said, Russ, the fire I sent was not a fire of destruction and judgment. It was a fire of demonstration. You see, when I was a young man beginning in preaching, I loved truth more than I loved people. And so I would use truth to try to beat people up, especially as a street preacher. You know, and, and so anything anybody did, somebody said a cuss word, and I was like, you're going to hell, you know, you need to get saved. And, and again, I had a heart for truth and righteousness, but I didn't have the compassion of God for people. And so through my wife and my daughter and, and years of ministry, God has been working in my heart to let truth come out of love. Because truth itself will push people away, but truth in love will invite people in to the healing of Jesus. And so, but I, I love that that anointing of Elijah because the fire that came from heaven was not to destroy. It was to demonstrate the glory of God. I don't know about you, right now I've got a lot of concerns, even some anger inside about the way our culture is going. Um, and yet, I'm saying, God, don't, Don't destroy our nation, don't destroy, but God show your glory, demonstrate your glory. And I believe that's what God is doing in the church because you are not called to be spectators watching a person on a platform, moving the power of God. You are called to do the stuff, do the works of Jesus. Jesus said, the works I do, you're gonna do an even greater. Let me think about it. Jesus walked on the water. He walked through walls. He had to pay taxes and he went fishing and got money out of a fish's mouth. <laughs> how many of you would like that anointing when it comes to the IRS? Go fishing and pay your taxes there, that way. Um, look, uh, a friend of mine says that uh, we need to be naturally supernatural. God uses normal people. I'm not sure how normal or abnormal you are, but God wants to use you. So the job of us in fivefold ministry is not to be the superstar doing all the work. Our job is to equip you so that you will be the frontline army of God. In fact, Justin was talking about Ephesians four and the five-fold ministry. In Ephesians chapter two, it says, the church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. You know, when you, when you go into a building, and by the way, I rejoice in the miracle of your building, and I, I, I just love what God's doing there. But um, you know, when you walk into your building, The foundation is not what you see. The foundation is in the dirt with the muck and the mire. You see, God is after apostles and prophets and people. They're not putting themselves on the top of the pyramid for you to throw money at and stand in line so we can pray for you, lay hands on you, or kiss our apostolic ring or whatever it is. Our job is to put ourselves low so that you can climb on our back and go higher than we ever will. And so God is bringing forth leaders in our day that they're not trying to be the superstar, but they're trying to raise people up and and prepare people for the days that are ahead. John the Baptist, uh, Jesus said, came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He was a transitional prophet between the old covenant and the new covenant. And I believe today God's bringing forth a fresh prophetic word because we're in transition from the life many of us have known I'm 58 years old. I've known a certain way of life for 58 years. I'm not prophesying destruction for America. But what I am saying is, I don't believe we're going back to normal. I believe we're moving forward instead of going back. And so um, I, I love the, the, the message of John the Baptist. And that's what I'm going to jump off of uh, for a few minutes this morning. In Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist's main message was this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, um, you know, we hear that word repent, and we all probably have a a picture in our mind what that looks like. For me, growing up in uh, the Pentecostal spirit filled world and church, repentance meant a bunch of wadded up Kleenex around an altar, everybody, after everybody cried their eyes out, and you get up saying, Well, I repented. It was a bunch of emotion. And I'm not against emotion. You know, if you've hung around, uh, you know, Justin's dad, you know, one of the things that drew me instantly to Pastor Rod is both of us cry at the drop of a hat, you know, and and so there are pictures of us in Sweden and China and different places, both of us just pouring tears. Emotion is great, but repentance is not just emotion. Repentance is actually a change. Um, You know, Kim and Shekinah and... and, uh, uh, Kim and Shekinah, they'll put on, um, you know, Hallmark. They'll put on a chick flick. Uh, you know, my definition of a chick flick is 55 minutes of sad, and finally at the end something good happens. You know, so you have a good cry. Um, you know, they put on a chick show, and I'll do the man thing. I don't want to watch that. Five minutes later, I'm sitting there. You know, I found this. I can cry without changing. I can get emotional without really changing. I can go into an altar and feel bad about my sin, but when I get up from the altar, I found that it's up to me whether I live that change or whether it's just an emotional response to a song or a sermon. And I believe God is calling us to repent as a church. But I love the way a different translation phrases Matthew 3 too. Instead of repent, it says, change your attitudes and actions. And when it says an invasion of the spirit is imminent, or, I mean, or it says kingdom of heaven is at hand. The new translation says an invasion of the spirit is imminent. What does our nation need? What does Orlando, what is your region? What that little area, uh, Justin said, God's focusing them on. What do they need? They need an invasion of the Holy spirit. Um, but that's not just going to fall out of heaven. It is the Holy Spirit arising through you to reveal Jesus to the people around. And so I believe God is working to bring repentance to the church, but I want to phrase it in a little bit different way. We all know we need to live lives of purity and holiness. We understand that many times the same sins of culture are in the lives of the church. But I don't want to focus on that for this morning. I want to say we need to repent for the way we've done church. By and large, in the American church, we made an audience and not an army. You are not called to be an audience watching a performer. Where we live in Hampton, Virginia, is a big military area. My dad was Navy. Um, If you go into the military, at least, (laughs) I don't know what the new military is like, but when you go into the military in years past, you would go to a boot camp. And in boot camp, they didn't care if you had a bad day, they didn't care if you were mentally unstable for the moment, like some of our Olympic champions, and you can have opinions on all of that. Uh, You know what, they didn't care if you had a sniffle, you had to get your rear end out of bed early in the morning and you had to run all day. God is giving us leaders that love us, but they're gonna kick our rear until we become good soldiers of Jesus. And there has been such a wimpiness, a cry. Those of us that have had the privilege of going international and seeing people that actually have to suffer for the cause of Christ and are actually being persecuted, I, I, just, I, I shake my head in amazement of American Christians that think we're being persecuted because we have to wear a mask. I don't like masks. I do believe there's an agenda behind some people that have power and are forcing things. Please don't misunderstand that but for the American church to be such crybabies that we think we're under persecution. Jesus has got to come tomorrow because I have to wear a mask. Guys, that's such a crybaby and door an endure hardness of good soldiers of Jesus. And so part of the role of the prophetic is to call the church to repentance, which means change the way we do church. Um, let let, let me ask, uh, and, and obviously it can just be church service where the presence of God is so strong. It feels like you're almost, almost literally caught to the heavenly realm. Have you ever heard a phenomenal sermon? Probably every Sunday, Justin preaches, right? A phenomenal sermon. Um, have you had, ever had, uh, just awesome worship where man, the presence of God is so strong or a thrilling prophecy about the future of what God's doing? Here's my thinking. If awesome services, thrilling prophecies, of magnificent buildings, uh, uh, powerful worship, if these things would have changed our nation, more, you know, buildings, and buildings are great. You just need better preaching and, and, and longer worship. I, I wanna say this: we have got to see a shift in the way Whoever said it, they say Einstein, whoever came up with it. But they said the definition of insanity is continue doing things the way you've always done them and expect different results. I want to encourage you as you as a church, one church was a park district. As you all transition, not just into a new building, but into a new season, don't go back to comfort. It's not that God's gonna do away with worship and prayer and the word, no, but the way we approach it, I believe has got to be different as we move into a new season and a new time. My wife, Kim, has a lot of dreams, prophetic dreams from God. And she had a dream one time I wanna share with you as uh, an analogy to some of the transition God, I believe, is bringing. In the dream, her and I were driving along in a beat-up old station wagon, and as we drove, we drove up to a six-story McDonald's. We get out of the station wagon, we go into McDonald's, and every door we open, every room we go into in the six-story McDonald's is a church service, youth, kids, worship, whatever it was, but we felt an oppression in the, the building. We wanted to escape, So we ran out of the six-story McDonald's to the parking lot where we'd parked our station wagon, but the car had disappeared. And we were running around frantically around an empty parking lot trying to find a vehicle to escape. Suddenly in the distance, we spotted a brand-new, bright red convertible sports car. And somehow we, we knew that was our car. So we ran and we jumped in the car, and we sped off over a bridge that you couldn't see the end of. Now, Kim has a lot of dreams from God. I rarely have dreams from the Lord, but God tends to give me the interpretation of dreams. And I know that sometimes dreams like that can seem nonsensical. But I encourage you take the things that God that you're seeing and feeling and hearing, and ask God if there's meaning behind it. In most dreams and visions, a vehicle represents your vehicle or method of ministry. An example would be a jet airplane would be international ministry. A school bus would be educational ministry. A a semi-truck, 18-wheeler, would be resource ministry. A station wagon represents a family car. It represents the local family or the local church. But the station wagon is not a vehicle that is current and relevant today. It is a vehicle of a generation ago. When I was a kid, when I was a teenager, you know, families that were big, they didn't have, have many vans. we had station wagons. And can I tell you, the station wagon in this dream represents the way we've always done things. It's the way church has been done for much of our lifetime. But if we get stuck in the methodology of the past, God doesn't change, but God does move on. And so we have got to move with God and not stay stuck in our traditions of the past. But the traditions of the past and and the, you know thank god it's what god did yesterday but it's not necessarily what god's doing today and if we stay stuck in yesterday's anointing yesterday's revelation yesterday's methodology it takes us to a six-story mcDonald's in the dream we believe mcdonald's represents fast food christianity and that is the american church i want it quick i want it cheap i want to a- value menu. I want to drive through. I don't want to have to get out of my car. I don't have to come in. I don't want to have to work. I want to tell you what I want and you give it to me and don't expect much of me. That's the American church. Throw out something that's going to make me feel good for the moment. I want it to taste good for the moment, even if it's not healthy for me. That's the American church by and large. And Kim and I have eaten at McDonald's all over the world. I don't remember, Justin, if we ate at McDonald's in Moscow or not as a team, but Um, We've eaten at McDonald's all over the world. And by and large, McDonald's are the same no matter where you go. They're a franchise. Here's what we've noticed. 35 years, six continents, 40 nations. Most churches are not original. They're just a carbon copy or franchise of what's working somewhere else. One church park district. We love the Johnson family. We love what God's doing in your family of churches but you as an individual church. Look, one church family is not called to be a carbon copy of anything else on earth. You learn from, we grow from, but even as an individual church, you are not one church. I don't know all the other locations, but you are a unique expression. And so you learn from, but you have a uniqueness and individuality, just as individually, as individual people, God's not called you to be a carbon copy. We need Justin. We need Jen. But we don't need more than one. We need you to be original. Growing up, uh, what, let me say this. I think that the church has an identity crisis. And so rather than finding our identity in Christ and then being uniquely individual as God created us, we try to copy. And so that's what I did early in life. Uh, growing up in Newport, Hampton, Virginia, um, our, our, my high school was probably... Oh, 60% or so African-American. And I'm a trumpet player. And I was in a jazz band and a jazz choir. One of the top, it um, uh, wasn't a jazz choir, it was a, a jazz um, uh, group and, and dance group. I actually used to dance. Um, and well, I, I was in a band with a guy who's one of the top jazz bass players in the world, a guy named Victor Wooten, if any of you are into jazz. And um, and so, and, and, and hear this, I, I didn't know who I was. And so when I was 17 years old, I got an Afro and I tried to be black. Now, you know, today that's, that's politically incorrect because that's cultural appropriation. <laughs> but back in the day, um, you know what? I, and, and so I actually, I dressed black. I talked black. I wasn't trying to um, be a racist. I wasn't trying to mock. It's because I didn't have an identity. So I wanted to fit in with the group of the cool guys that I was running with. And I actually worked at a store in a mall. Anybody remember malls when they were around? You know, in, in the late 70s, I worked in a clothing store that was a GQ clothing store, mainly for, for, you know, a black man. It was back in my skinny days. And and so I tried to be black for a while. And I finally realized, Russ, you're white. <laughs> you know, and so I, I quit trying to imitate. But then I tried to be Benny Hinn. And anybody knows who Benny Hinn is. And so I didn't have the crooked hair and the white suit, but I tried to imitate Benny Hinn. And I'd, I'd lay hands on people on the back of their neck and they'd fall. I'd blow on people and they'd fall under the power of the spirit. I mean, you know, in COVID days, you don't blow on people but uh, when you're praying for them. But anyway, so I, I tried that then I went through my TV preacher phase. That's why I first met the Johnson family. Back when I first met them back in 98, I had this big lion's mane of hair. It looked like a TV preacher. And, and so, all I'm saying is this I had to finally get to a place of saying, Russ, just be who you are, and God will use you. I want to say, on a personal level, find the uniqueness of God's placed in you. But as a church, find the uniqueness of God's place. Don't be a franchise. The McDonald's was six stories. Six is the biblical number of man. By and large, a church in our nation has built, been built by man for man and about man. There are terms we use in the church world. One of them is called "secret sensitive. I do believe the church needs to be relevant. We need to be relevant to the people we're trying to reach. But I don't believe we compromise truth or the presence of God. My approach is this. I want God's presence to be comfortable in our services more than I want sinners to be comfortable. And I, 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 I I'm not trying to be divisive with that, But if we build everything about about making sinners comfortable, you know, honestly, sinners ought to be uncomfortable because of the presence of God convicting them of sin. So I believe in being relevant. I don't believe we have to use church words and old-time tradition. But I am more concerned about the presence of God being welcome than I am about people feeling welcome, if you understand what I'm trying to say. It's not one or the other. But I believe God's presence being welcome is even more important than, than just visitors being welcome. So anyway, um, and, and so in, in this dream, we we run out of the McDonald's because we want a, a, a new model. But the method of yesterday, our station wagon, has disappeared. Here's where a lot of leaders are in the 2021 Church of America. We're running around an empty parking lot trying to figure out what the vehicle of tomorrow looks like there are a lot of ministers a lot of leaders saying what do we do and 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 you know what zoom is great you know and and online stuff when we need to do that but i don't believe the biggest change for the church of the future has anything to do with technology technology is just a tool the biggest change i believe is that we are shifting from a mentality of watching to doing and we're not going to be hearers only we're going to be doers of the word and you are gonna live the life of Jesus. You're gonna speak the words of Jesus. You're gonna do the works of Jesus uh, across the street and around the world. So there is a shift and a change that is happening. And what God provided in the dream was a brand new bright red convertible sports car. It's fast, it's fiery, it's relevant. There's no blind spots. You could take all the analogies in. And so all of that to say, guys, we are in a season of transition and God is giving prophetic revelation so we understand the direction we're going. So I want to lay out just uh, a, a, a few quick things uh, that are general principles that I think God is taking us to as a church. And I want to share with you prophetically some things that I felt for you all as a church, as One park, uh, one Church Park District, uh, for you all to pray and discern if God is saying yes and amen to some of these things. So what is God doing? God is taking us back to the biblical uh, a pattern and an um, uh, identity of the early church. The early church was driven by passion for the Son of God. Paul said in Philippians 3.8, he said, I consider everything a loss compared to the suppressing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That word knowing in Philippians 3 is the word gnosko. Um, in the Hebrew, it's the word "yada." It is not just head knowledge. It's intimate knowledge. Without getting too blunt and not knowing who all is listening and ages and everything else, those words are used interchangeably. Even back when it says Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bare a son, there's a dimension of intimacy. So what we're talking about here is not just head knowledge of of our, our doctrinal beliefs. This is an intimate passionate love relationship with jesus and i have found this when i recognize how much jesus loves me i fall in love with him all over again the church in ephesus was told by the lord um am i frozen okay you're good I right? I, you can voice is back
0: yep you, you were okay. not frozen but you can turn the camera off and we'll, okay. we'll listen okay. either okay. way.
1: It was frozen to my ends. Okay. Thank you guys for your, your
0: great presentations. We're, we're
1: with you. We're with, technology.
0: We're, we're with you, Russ. Okay. You just feel Sounds free good. to continue.
1: Thank you. So there is a passion that drives the church. And I found this. Realistically, there are times that I've I've lived for the Lord all my life. I've not been perfect. But I've lived for the Lord my life. By the grace of God, I didn't wander. I didn't rebel. I didn't go into sin, all that other stuff, all through my years growing up. But, you know, there are times that I ended up loving the move of God more than God himself. There are times that I wanted I, I was more interested in spending my time prophesying or praying for somebody to get saved or praying for a miracle or casting out a devil. All those things are great. But you know that even in the church, we can idolize and love the blessing of God and the power of God and the move of God more than God himself. Um, When Shekinah was little, there were times we travel as a family most of the time around the world. But there have been a few times I've had to go by myself. And when I would fly back to Virginia, Shekinah was little. And she would see me coming down the uh, the walkway in the airport. She would run and grab me. "Daddy, I love you. Daddy, I miss you," and all that other stuff. And and you know, Kim would love me too. She would kiss me too and say, "I miss you." But uh, you know, we get back home, and we're 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 a huggy, snuggly family. And so we'd sit on the couch and we you know snuggle and all that. And and uh, you know, we'd be talking. She'd kind of be snuggle right up next to me on one side, Kim on the other. and everything. But after 10 or 15 minutes of snuggling, she kind of would say, Daddy, did you get me anything? You know what? And Daddy's heart loved to give gifts. But what moved my heart was that she wanted me before she wanted my gift. And so what I'm saying is we love the gifts of God. We love the healing God, the blessings of God, the power of God. But we need to love him even more than we love the things he does. And so I believe God is bringing the church back to first love passion. The church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter two, Jesus said to them, there's many things you've done great, but here's one thing I have against you. You've left your first love. And so I I encourage us, I challenge us. Let a revelation of the the heart of God um, be, be released in you again. Song of Solomon says, love burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. I have, I have a friend, he's a Puerto Rican evangelist. And um, years ago, I heard him on the phone with a girlfriend and he was getting all Latin on her. He was like, oh baby, you light my fire. You know, and I think, man, this sounds like junior high school, but still the man was passionate. There's a passion that we need to express and it's in our worship, but it's not just the songs we sing. It's the life we live. Jesus said this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Through the years, I've learned this holiness is not something I do out of fear of punishment holiness is something that arises within me because I love him and he loves me and because I love him I want to please him because I love him I want to be like him and so I believe what is God doing in the church he's bringing us back to first love passion secondly God is revealing and bringing us back to biblical purpose the church it seems in our nation has had so many diversions of our ultimate purpose. What is our purpose? Jesus gave us in Matthew 28. We have the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's our passion. But then love your neighbor as yourself. That leads into the great commission or the purpose. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. And so the purpose is that Jesus would be revealed so the loss would be drawn to him. And the culture would be shifted by the evidence of the kingdom of God. The word says this, and Luke, I believe it, it says, the kingdom of God is in you, and the kingdom is not meat and drink. In other words, you can't measure the kingdom of God by outward statistics. The kingdom of God will influence culture, but the kingdom of God is not measured by culture. The kingdom of God will include justice, it will include equality, it will include helping the poor and the needy, but you can't measure the kingdom of God by outward statistics because the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, it's righteousness, peace, and joy, meaning in the midst of whatever turmoil is around us, we as believers in Christ can live with righteousness, peace, and joy, and then influence the culture around us. But our purpose is not to be, be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Our purpose is not just to have the biggest following on social media. Our purpose is not just to be counted among, you know, the fastest growing churches in America. Our purpose is to reveal Jesus so that people will be drawn to him. I love prophetic anointing. Justin was talking about earlier. I love when God gives words of knowledge, Um, you know, there are times my wife has it more than me, but there are times God's given us people's names, uh, part of an address or a phone number, details about their past or their future. And I love when God does that kind of stuff. But see, the prophetic anointing is not primarily about predicting the future. The prophetic anointing is not primarily about being able to tell you details of your life. Guys, I can take you to which doctors and psychics that can tell you your address. So the the purpose, I'm, I'm not against a prophetic doing that. But in, in modern day American prophetic ministry, it's like we've, we've gotten so enthralled with people that can tell us details about our life that we've forgotten the main purpose of prophecy. Revelation 19.10 says is to, re, is to bring the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So the greatest prophetic anointing it's not somebody who can predict an election or tell you your address. Those are great. The greatest prophetic anointing is when you, the body of Christ, reveal Jesus to somebody around you. It might be a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. It might be a word of encouragement. I was going to say the cashier at Walmart, of course, Walmart doesn't have cashiers anymore. Uh, uh, you know, so you know, any God directs you by His Spirit to reveal Jesus in a bigger or a small way. That's prophetic. And so that is the purpose of the church. It is to reveal Jesus so that people will be drawn, they'll find Christ the Savior, be born again, and become disciples. For the years, I was a street preacher, from 15 years old to about 30 years old. And it was Mardi Gras, Indy 500, New York, Chicago, L.A., London, Warsaw, all over the world. And I carried a 10-foot cross and preached on the streets and trained hundreds of people, thousands of people to do the same thing. And I love all of that. Born again and become disciples. For the years, I was a street preacher, from 15 years old to about 30 years old. And it was Mardi Gras, Indy 500, New York, Chicago, actually encountered Jesus. And I've begun learning my job isn't to get people to say a prayer. It is to reveal Jesus in word, in deed, in love, in truth, so that they will be drawn to have an encounter with Jesus that changes their life. So number one, passion. Number two, purpose. Then I believe God is bringing us back to the biblical pattern, which I talked about a moment ago, and that is you're an an army, not an audience. 1 Peter 4.10 since each one to use whatever gift he's received to serve others, faithfully administering God's gifts in its various forms. You have a gift. There's an anointing in your life. Um, a, a mutual friend of ours uh, with, with, with Justin and Jared, um, Gary Klein. Gary was part of our apostolic team in Virginia, um, and Gary and I were all over the world together. In fact, Gary and I were rooming together in Pakistan in 2001, when my wife found out she was pregnant with Shekinah. Over the last 10 years, Gary and his wife Sabrina have been living in Israel and Jerusalem as part of the leaders of Sukkot Halal, a house of prayer over there. And I love the way Gary Klein taught this. He said that we are to be the key that opens the door for the glory of God to come in and be revealed in our city. He said, but if you ever look at a key, there are a lot of points on the key. There are tall points, small points. There are you know, uh, valleys, if you will. He said, but unless every point on the key is sharpened and in place and functioning, the key will not work. Every one of you are a point on the key. You are not a spectator. You're not on the outside looking in. You may not be the biggest point. You may not be the one that has the biggest attention. You may not get the microphone. You may not be on the platform, but you are vital. To what God wants to do in one church, part whatever you are, I forgot part. Uh, you, you are vital to what God wants to do in the church and through the church in your community. And so, the pattern is that every one of us have got to find our identity and our gifting in God. And you're not called, I said a moment ago, to be a carbon copy. You've heard the term cutting edge, right? And if I said the prophetic is cutting edge, that might be true, but if you're not prophetic, it can make you feel like somehow you're less than. If the prophetic is cutting edge, evangelism is cutting edge, prayer is cutting edge. But if those anointings are not the main thing God's doing in your life, I innocently have somehow made you feel like you're less than me. And what God taught me years ago is this. It's until all of us are working together, the cutting edge is not going to work. The way it was state my. You know in a straighted steak knife, how there's a lot of small cutting edges? And the Lord said, you take any of those cutting edges away from the whole knife and the knife will not function. You can't cut the steak. It's gonna take your anointing and your anointing and your anointing and my anointing working together to see the purpose of God. So what is the pattern? It is every one of us have got to find our gifting and then begin to arise and move in that. And I, um, I, I added to Gary Klein's illustration I said, do you know how they make a key? They put it into a grinder. So guess what, guys? God has us in the grinder so that he can get rid of anything that's not him, and we can function fully. And then finally, we've seen the passion. That that is the motivation, the love of God. Um, on, On that level, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13, though, tells us the motivation, the gifts of the Spirit, and that's love. First Corinthians thirteen says, "You get a faith to move mountains. You can understand mysteries, but without love, it's nothing." When I was uh, in my twenties, I was in New York City with a ministry called Teen Challenge. A man named David Wilkerson. We were doing a two-week street outreach, and I was just a twenty, young twenty-something-year-old. I wasn't one of the leaders. I was just part of a team of about hundred soul winners. And when one of the street preachers was preaching on a platform at a park in New York City. A woman came up to the front who was uh, mocking the crucifixion. She kind of splayed herself out like Jesus hanging on the cross. And then she just began to get very vulgar. And and it didn't take much discernment to see she was demonized. And so a group of about 50 of us gathered around her to cast out demons. And I believe in that. I don't know if you remember, Justin, that was one of the things Kim and I had to do with Marilyn Hickey and your dad in, in Siberia was do a lot of deliverance ministry. And um, anyway, so we, you know, we're we're, we're all trying to pray. And if you've ever been around Pentecostals and spirit-filled people when you're trying to cast out demons, man, they scream, they holler, they speak in tongues, plead the blood of Jesus, and all that's great. But in the midst of all of the shouting and the spiritual warfare and everything else, the woman was not being set free. In fact, she was running, getting in our face, cursing us, spitting at us, and all this other stuff. And she walked away still bound. By, by demons, and I'm watching all of this, again, not a leader, just one of the, the team, and the Lord asked me a question. I pointed something out and asked me something. He said, Russ, the, the ministry team are mad at the devil in the woman, but where is their love for the woman herself? And it began to work in me, again, to understand I can be angry, I can be angry at what Satan's doing to our nation right now. But I've got to shift my my focus or my my um, uh, motivation. I can't let anger alone be my motivation, even anger at evil. It's got to be love for the people. Where we live in Hampton, Virginia, we have a drug house across the street. I mean, a year ago, we had two gangs shooting it out. FBI busses 64 bullet shells on my driveway half a mile from Bethel temple where we used to minister with, with Ron Johnson and them. Um, I'm angry. I am angry. We have police, we have police sitting outside our, in front of our house 24 hours a day right now with big spotlights at night on the drug house. I'm angry, but in the midst of my anger at what's happening and the lack of safety, the lack of everything, God said to me, Russ, will you pray for those drug dealers and that drug gang, to get saved. Can I tell you I that my emotions want to pray, you know, shatter the teeth of the wicked, get them out of there, God. But in the midst of saying, God, overcome evil, I'm having to learn to love my enemies. Um, and so love is the motivation, the purpose is the revelation of Jesus, so people will be drawn to him and culture will be shifted to the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. The pattern is that every one of us are involved, vital to what God's doing. But then lastly, the power. Zechariah six says, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. If we're going to see a transformation in your neighborhood of Orlando, if we're going to see a transformation in our nation, it's not going to come because of our fancy sermons. It's not going to come because of beautiful buildings. It's not going to come because of awesome worship songs. All these things God will use, but it's going to come by the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, I come to you not with the words of man's wisdom, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power. See, right now, Everybody in our nation has an opinion, and well, we should, we all are entitled to our opinion. But right now, the church is just one voice among many. And if we keep trying to win people by sheer force of argument to our viewpoint of the gospel, of Judeo-Christian values, if we try to keep winning the war just by words, we have already lost the battle. When I was a street preacher, I, I close with a couple of thoughts here, an illustration. Kim and I, we had our first wedding anniversary. We went from Springfield, Missouri, where we were still attending Bible college, to St. Louis for a couple of days for our first anniversary. We went to the St. Louis Zoo. And as we walked in, there was a Mooney. I don't know if anybody remembered the Mooney. No, no, it was a Hare Krishna. And I don't know if you remember the Harry Krishnas, know who they were. Um, uh, but, you know, they wore the robes and the, uh, uh, the sandals, they shaved their head bald, And uh, uh, you know, sorry, Justin, no, <laughs> I'm playing. Uh, and, you know, shaved their head bald, all this other stuff. And, but they, they were known for being peaceful and meditative and transcendental. And so having, being a street preacher at the time, and I'd studied the cults. So I knew how to dismantle the man's theology, his, his, his a doctrine, his, his a philosophy. I spent an hour and a half completely destroying the man's belief system. I had the Harry Krishna so mad, he was screaming at me. He he lost his transcendental peace. But here's the thing guys, I won the argument, but I lost the soul. It's going to take more than the words of philosophy. It's gonna take the demonstration of the spirit's power. And you don't have to be a prophet. You don't have to be an apostle. You don't have to be a preacher. All you have to be is a follower of Jesus. John ten twenty seven. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. You don't have to be a prophet. You don't have to go to prophet school. You don't have to have a prophet lay hands on you. You don't have to give an offering to a prophet to hear God. You're a sheep of his pasture through Jesus. You can hear the voice of God. Mark 16 says, they that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So I'm challenging you. I'm encouraging you in this season of transition and transformation into a new dimension, a new season of what God's doing. Not in reaction to the pandemic, not in reaction to rising socialism and 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 deception in our nation, not in reaction to everything going on, but in response to the Holy Spirit preparing us for a day of the revelation of the glory of God. Isaiah 60 says, "Darkness covers the earth, thick darkness over the people." but my glory rises upon you, the people of God. This is the moment and the greatest threat of darkness in my lifetime for our nation. And it's been happening around the world for decades for generations, for millennia. But in our nation, the rising darkness and spiritual darkness and everything else, it is the day for the church of our nation to arise, not to win battles philosophically and politically, but to reveal Jesus. Because my opinion is this, no matter who's in the White House, if the heart of our nation doesn't change through Jesus, our nation will not be saved. No matter whether you wear a mask or not, believe in vaccines or not, the reality is it's gonna take a heart change. And you and I are the ones that can lead people into that heart change revelation. And so to wrap all this up, it is a time for transition. It's a time to repent. For the invasion of the Holy Spirit is right in our grasp. The invasion of God to by his love and his power to change lives is going to happen through you, the frontline army of God. But that means we need to repent. Yes, we need to repent of the sins of the flesh, the sins of the pride of life, all these other things. The sins of the, the love of the world, the love of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We need to repent of that stuff. We also need to repent for dead religion. We need to repent for just wanting to have good church services and, and you know, all that we need to change the way we think, the way we talk, the way we live so that we become the representatives of Jesus on earth. And then what I want to share, let me pull it up. Cause I wrote it down and Justin, um, you know, me and you know, the prophetic, none of these things are words of obligation. Um, and for for any of you, any of these things I say, um, your job and the leadership's job is just to take these and mix with everything else. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians thirteen nine, we know in part, we prophesy in part. No one is the entire revelation of our life. It's only a piece of the puzzle. But you take the things that God is speaking to you personally, the things that God uses other people to speak, and then you test them out and you begin to put them together and God forms um, a, a, a picture of what he's doing. So for you, um, one Church Park District. I felt the Lord say a couple of things. One, I don't believe you're going to easily fit into a category or a model. Let me say this: there are churches that are called faith churches. There are churches that they are. Uh, praise churches, prophetic churches. There are churches that are uh, uh, evangelistic churches or they are churches that uh, meet the needs of the poor, the social justice church, the whatever. My, as I was praying for you all as a church, I felt the Lord say, you will not fit easily into anybody's box or definition. Now, that doesn't mean you won't have vision. It doesn't mean you won't have guiding principles. It doesn't mean you won't have vision statements and mission statements. My encouragement to you all as a church and as a leadership is don't let vision statements lead you, but let the spirit of God lead you. I preached a sermon. In fact, somebody reminded me in a class I was teaching back in Virginia of a sermon I preached at Bethel Temple many, many years ago. And the sermon was this, are we purpose-driven or presence-motivated? Moses said this, right after he encountered God at the burning bush, and he was about to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage to the promised land. Moses said this, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, we don't want to go. Here's how I phrase it to you all. Have this heart. God, if your presence isn't with us, we do not want to fulfill our purpose. If purpose is your driving thing, then it's easy to sacrifice the presence of God to fulfill the purpose. It's easy to let the presence of God dissipate as long as our programs are working, but that's not the kingdom of God. So my, one of my first things that I felt from the Lord for you all is you are not going to easily be categorized. You will not easily fit into a definition, but you're going to be led by the presence of God so um, let the presence of God be what you seek after, and if you seek after the presence of God, His presence will lead you, not just a vision statement, not some, not just a mission statement, but the presence of God. In that, I saw an interesting picture. Um, if, you, if you're okay with the word vision, all a vision is is a, a picture uh, on the mind's eye given by the Holy Spirit. And um, I saw a buffet, you know, you know, 2020, our buffets closed down. But uh, you know how we typically are when we go to a golden corral or a buffet is there's this massive spread of food, but we pretty much go to our three or four favorite things that we found out we like. And what I felt for you as a church is this. There are key things that you see as your your purpose, your goal, and your gifting. That's good. But I believe for you, going into the future as a church, God's inviting you to sample other tastes from the buffet of the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean you have to throw away yesterday's flavor. It doesn't mean you have to uh, copy somebody else, but I believe God says this: this is to be a season of discovery. Scripture says, "Taste and see that the Lord is good." You've seen that, you recognize that, but I believe God's going to bring opportunities your way as a church that are going to expand the flavor and the aroma of who you are. And so, my my challenge is entertain moves of God, entertain revelations of God that are not just repeating the same thing, but they're expanding you. Um, And out of that, I felt the Lord say that you are to be a church that carries the aroma of Christ. Scripture says that we are a fragrance of life to those who are dying. And, and as I, I sense that word that you are to carry an aroma of heaven, I, I, I'm reminded of a, an illustration I use in another sermon. When I was 16 years old, I got my first job, and it was working at Hardee's restaurant. And here's what I found is no matter what I did at Hardee's that day, I may have been at the drive-thru, I may have been at the front cashier, I may have been flipping burgers. Uh, whatever it was, but no matter what I did, no matter what my function was, when I got home, I smelled like French fry grease. Here's what God is saying. No matter what your function is in the church, I want you to smell like my presence. There is an aroma of heaven that God has wanted me to release. And I felt specifically that it's an aroma for the disenfranchised of of culture. I don't know this neighborhood around you, Justin, you were referring to. Um, And and here's how I'm, I'm sensing it. When I say disenfranchised, we automatically think the poor and the needy and the homeless, that's part of it. But I heard this, it's not just the down and out, it's the up and out. See, people can be well off. People can be seemingly doing good on the outward, but inside they're broken. There's an anointing in your church, in your family, for wholeness being brought to broken people, whether they're broken outwardly, physically, financially, or just broken inwardly. There is a real anointing of hope. I don't know all, again, I, Justin and I, you know, it's not that we disconnected, but we just have not really been able to be in touch a whole lot until a few months ago. We went and hung out at the coffee shop where I, good coffee, by the way, and and and, uh, and got a chance to reconnect. So I don't know all the, the, the anointings and ministries your your house carries, but I really believe that the Lord says you're going to be an aroma and fragrance of hope to hopeless people. Um, And so, uh, sample the, the, the buffet of the Lord. Don't try to fit neatly into a category um, or model. Uh, be led by the presence of God and not just purpose statements. And then one other thing, at least for right now, is um, I sense that part of the next se- season especially is going to be a focus on the younger generation, children and teenagers, but that it's not just going to be entertaining them. When I was nine years old, the children's church I was a part of, we had stories and games, but they also taught us how to pray for the sick, to cast out devils, to lead people to Jesus. As a nine and 10 and 11-year-old boy, we were being taught to do the work of God. And so my challenge to you all is with the younger generation, don't just entertain them. Don't just try to get them free of the world, but empower them to do the work of the kingdom of God. And so, uh, you know, we, we can pray for a moment, um, see if there's anything that the Lord will lay on my heart for the church overall or for you all personally. Um, and uh, I wanna be sensitive to your time, but also my checkout time. Uh, but uh, Justin, is there um, anything that you would like to uh, say, ask for me to comment on about what we've shared? I'm here before I I pray and just see if the Lord shares anything else beyond where we've gone so far.
0: Uh, Well, Russ, thank you so, so much. Um, What a, what an awesome, awesome word and an awesome encouragement uh, to us. I believe that's, that's a word, um, a word in season um and, and I believe and and Russ I'll have you pray in just a second honestly I believe what you're saying um is spot on and also I believe that it's it's uh, the timing of you just speaking to us today I know we're we're in on zoom and it it wasn't even our plan um but I think it was God's plan and you know we as we're moving into this uh, building and of course you know I think, in a, in a bigger way, uh, the church at large, uh, is in a, tra- in a transitional season. And, uh, you know, for our church, particularly we're in a transitional season and I believe the, the gift, the anointing, uh, of the prophetic is part of what God wants to stir in us. And, uh, you said it a minute ago that, um, you know, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ, the, the chief cornerstone. And I think part of what God's doing for us right now is uh, expanding the foundation, expanding the foundation so that he can um, build in a greater way. And yeah. um, I think this anointing that, you know, that you carry, Russ, is part of what God wants to bring into our community. Um, you know Jesus said that he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet receives a prophet's reward, and you know uh, Russ. Honestly, we're honored to have you. Uh, in part, just because I love you and you're a you're a, a friend to us, yeah. but on but also um, honoring the gift um, that God has put on your life and the gift that you are, and that gift that God wants to release into our community. And I feel like it's a, it's a pivotal time, you know, for us. And I I was just telling Jennifer yesterday, I said, what do you think God is saying right now? I mean, you turn on the news and it's like, you don't even know what to believe. Anywhere. And I think part of what God is saying is let he who has ears hear." and God's trying to get us to, to, Um, depend less on our own natural understanding and to be led by the Spirit in a greater way. And, um, you know, I know a number of you uh, who are a part of our church, God's used you in this uh, area of the prophetic. Matt, I know God's used you numerous times. And Justine, God's used you numerous times. Uh, Jeff Walker, I know God's used you uh, in that way as well. And, and Dustin, I know God's used you and Joshua Gilliam and many others. Um, and I think God wants to do this in a greater in a greater way. So I just want to say thank you, Russ. Uh, I want to say yes and amen to everything that you've said, and we receive it. Um, I, I believe we need to pray into uh, even the words that you've spoken today. Um, but Even beyond the words, and yes, we receive the words, but we also want to receive of of the Spirit. We want to receive the impartation of the Spirit for God to bring us into um, a greater manifestation of what he's wanting to do. So, uh, Russ, that's all I have to say. Um, And uh,
1: I know... Well, thank you. It uh, it has been my honor to to be with you guys today. And I want to pray. We understand... Prophets don't give gifts and anointings, God gives all gifts. Yeah, there is a, there is a, a mandate on the fivefold ministry to equip and release and impart. Paul yeah. said to Timothy, I want to come, I restore the gift that's in you by prophecy and the laying on of hands. Yeah. Um, where we're told to, uh, Paul said, I want to come to you and impart some spiritual gift. I want to pray with you all as a church that God will bring a fresh release. Mm. Um, there's a there's a in Revelation chapter 4. John the Revelator has already been hearing and seeing that in Revelation 4, there's a door, an open door to a heavenly dimension, and he hears an invitation come up here, and I'm going to show you. I believe there's an invitation right now for you as a church, for us individually, but right now in this season, there's an invitation to come up to a higher dimension of Revelation, and so we're going to pray that. I want to share just a couple of thoughts with a few of you individually. I'm not going to go long on this and remember, if I don't give you a prophetic word, if somebody else doesn't give you a prophetic word now or at some time in the future, it doesn't mean God's le- left you, it doesn't mean God's mad at you, it doesn't mean the prophet doesn't like you. There are many ways of, of God speaking. And so when when we do prophesy, it's not because God's playing favorites. It's not because we just like the way your picture looks on the, the, the zoom thing, what but um and again it's only in part. So I'm just gonna hit a few things. Um the ones I, I I'm just looking at your your ID things here, um, where it says Diana ABT, um, mm-hmm. you all there. Um, wave if you know who I'm talking about. Okay. Um, I, I the, the scripture that came in my heart was Joel chapter two. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's where God promised. He said. The years of locusts and cankerworm worm have eaten, I'm going to restore. I don't know what all has transpired, but it's almost like the Lord says, what the enemy tried to destroy, not only is God turning it around, but God's going to restore what felt like even lost years and lost time. So there's a, for you all, there's a promise in the season of restoration, of, of lost opportunities and lost things. This is a time of restoration for you and of rejoicing. Um, you've had the season of, a, 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 in Romans somewhere, it says, uh, weeping indoors for the night, but joy comes in the morning. It's morning for you. Mm. It is a season of rejoicing, not the morning and the weeping for you all. For you all. For Joshua and Rachel, um, I, I, I you all right there, um, Joshua and Rachel, I believe God is saying, again, test all these things out. But I believe the Lord is saying it's time to move forward with the plans of God instead of waiting on everything to be perfect. Mm. Um, there's a, there's something that's been birthing in your spirit, but then that question of when's the right time, I don't want to be premature, but sometimes our desire to not be premature makes us, um, uh, uh, running, running late. And, And so the Lord tested, but I believe the Lord's saying, um, today is the day. Now is the time. Um, to put some some creative things, I, I, I for some reason the word entrepreneurial is there, but uh, put some of these things into practice. It's time to start uh, putting flesh to the dream, um, and those things. And God's going to guide you. God's going to lead you. Uh, Dustin, your picture just came back on. Um, I felt the Lord saying, "In you, He's bringing the 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 word and the spirit. He's bringing the mind and the spirit." There are some people that have things things of the spirit but they they throw their brain out the window. Um, and and one of my prayers for me has been Ephesians 1:17 that God will give the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I believe one of the anointings that God's going to be bringing forth in your life is wisdom and revelation together. It is the ability to think things through with the mind of Christ. But it's not just going to be the natural mind. It's going to be born out of revelation. So there's the word and the spirit. There's uh, uh, in, in, in uh, Acts chapter 13, the Antioch church, they have prophets and teachers. There's anointing of these things flowing together. And I believe God's just drawing you into a new season of these, these anointings flowing together in and through and out of your life, not just in the church, but somehow in um, challenging, how do I put this? You're going to challenge the thinking of people outside the church, but you're not going to do it by just philosophical uh, um, musings and words. It's going to be by revelation that opens their heart. So somehow those anointings are going to begin to flow together in a fresh um, way. Um, for, for Jeff and Sherry, uh, the picture I kept seeing was, of, you remember the old folding maps um, that we used to have in cars before GPS? And, and many times you would open a map and you'd only see one part of the journey. And you, you know, you, you get to the end of that page and you didn't know where the road went. You had to unfold the map to see the next part of the, the journey. I believe for you all, God is saying, this is the season when you have been faithful. You've been diligent. But you're saying, God, where's the next step? Where's the next stage? And it's like I saw God unfolding the map and saying, I'm about to show you. you plans. I'm about to show you I uh, because you've been faithful, you've been diligent. Mm-hmm. says I'm about to unfold and, and show you the next stage, the next season and where all this is is going. Um uh for you all. And so father for everyone, God the ones that I I had a chance to share with take whatever I shared and God, if this is of you, confirm it in their heart. And then God, let this be just a piece of the puzzle added to the unfolding. Things that are, are, are going on um, in their hearts and lives. Um, Lord, for for uh Justin and Jan on a personal level, Lord, let this be a season of great rejoicing. Um, uh, you know, Justin, I know obviously the building and, and all the other things, there's rejoicing for ministry. But it's like the Lord says for you personally, your, your family personally, it's going to be a fresh season of joy. You all know, uh, having grown up in ministry, being in ministry, you understand that there are seasons that we persevere for the greater good. And there are seasons of rejoicing. Um, and the Lord just seems saying this for you all personally is going to be a season of rejoicing. I heard somebody one time say, I think I may have been Marilyn Hickey years ago. Uh, that we worked with in Siberia. But um, she said it needs to be an anointing of ease. There are times we battle and don't give up, but there are times it just flows. And I sense the Lord saying for you all, this is moving into a season and a, a time of ease and rejoicing, which is going to overflow out of you all. Um, and Jared and Justin, Justine and the and Ver, you know, I know the natural things you all do, but my sense is, please test this out that there are other creative ideas and God wants to give wings to some of these creative ideas that are on the creativity you already flow in. Creative ideas, yes, they're gonna come by revelation, but it's just like God says, and I don't know why the word wings is there, but it's like says there's a soaring like the eagles. There's the the, the, the wings of revelation on creative ideas. So God, uh, for all of them, Lord, not just the individuals uh, spoken to personally right now, but God, for every person, not only on the Zoom call right now, but for this whole family, this whole church family, Thank you God. for the impartation of revelation. God, I, I'm privileged to be a servant of God and a servant of your people and that role of the prophetic. The Lord, you are the giver of all gifts, but I stand in that place as a servant in the prophetic and God I pray and speak a release and impartation of revelation. Mm-hmm. God dreams and visions and the voice of the Lord, God Thank angelic you, Lord. encounters, uh, heavenly encounters, but God will never worship the encounter. Lord, we're not going to seek encounters. We're going we're not going to seek these things. We seek you, Jesus.
0: Yes, Lord.
1: As we seek you, as we seek your face, as we seek your hand, as we seek your word, your will, and your ways and your heart, oh God, we pray that we would be open to every dimension and method of revelation of that biblical that you want, God. So Lord, we pray that we take off the, the barriers and Lord, we throw aside the doubts. Lord, we walk as sheep that hear your voice. We walk with faith. So God, may this church arise, may this house arise, Lord, with um, revelation. Lord, I pray that, that, that prayer for Ephesians 1. Let them have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, let the prophets and teachers, let the word and the spirit be active, even in their own body. Oh, God, those that are called to be prophets and prophetic within their house, let them come to a new dimension, a new level, the open doors. And for everyone, even those that think, well, I'm not prophetic, God, we all can hear your voice. Thank you, Lord. I pray that release and that impartation. And God, it's for your glory. Jesus is for your honor. Mm -hmm. Pastor Ron preached a sermon years ago. I've echoed around the world. And it was why we go. And ultimately, it's for the glory of God. Lord, the reason we do everything is for the glory of God, for the honor and the glory and the fame of your name. So Lord, transform us, transition us. May one church, family and one church, Park District, Lord, be a forerunner, a people that are living not in reaction to the circumstances of life, but in response to the Spirit of God. Lord, we speak healing. God, in this season of battling, Lord, uh, a new wave and the Delta variant and all these other things, Lord, let health, strength, healing be released. Not only against this virus, but God, every disease and, and illness would come. Jesus, in your mighty name, heal the sick, deliver the bound, even within our own midst. Yes. And Lord, let us walk in divine health. Lord, we will prosper when culture is struggling. We will be in health when sickness is around us. We will be protected, Psalm 91, God, even when destruction may be around us. And more, Lord, may we be a word of hope to the hopeless world around us and a light in the midst of great darkness. We thank you, Jesus, for you alone are worthy. Amen. Justin, thank you. It's it's been an honor to to hang out with you for a while today. Oh, Russ,
0: thank you so, so much. It is an absolute blessing and joy to have you. And, uh, just awesome to see God moving. And I can tell you, uh, listening to the words that you've spoken over people today, uh, it's the Lord. (laughs) and uh, It is awesome. It is awesome. Russ, I know, you know, I've not shared with you anything about what anybody is going through, but uh, that is the Lord. And Russ, thank you um, just for for being such a blessing to us today. I'll say this to our church family, and Russ has has not said this or put any obligation on his being with us today, but, um, you know, the Bible says that uh, a workman is worth his hire, and Russ and Kim and their ministry, they go uh, under normal circumstances all over the world in this season all over America, and Although we look forward to having them with us in person, uh, they've been such a blessing to us today. And if you feel like the Lord's put it on your heart to sow into their ministry, you can do that. Um, We'll receive a special offering uh, through our regular giving page, and you can designate it. uh, You're familiar with the giving designations there. If you go to Park District, uh, the designation Park District guest speakers, that will in its entirety uh, today go to Russ. Well, we, of course, have our regular tithes and offerings, but uh, if you want to give and you feel the Lord put it on your heart to give something towards uh, Russ, we're going to contribute towards their ministry today, so uh, i just make that available to you guys. Uh, Russ, thank you so much for being with us. We look forward to having you with us in person sometime, and this was really thank the you. beginning of uh, an increase of relationship that I know that we'll have. And uh, if you've been blessed today, could you just give us a, a thumbs up just as a, a confirmation? And uh, guys, thank you all so much for being on today. I know uh, you've probably been in the same environment that I have. There's kids uh, around. And uh, so thank you guys for, for making it a priority. Uh, we're going to be back together in person two weeks from today at the community center. Also, in the meantime, stay tuned to your email, to social media. We'll be giving you an update on our uh, upcoming events. Of course, our next workday coming up. We've rescheduled our men's uh, shootout for uh, a future date that is to be determined. And uh, also, I know we've got our worship sessions coming up, which are going to be awesome. So make sure you stay tuned. Again, two weeks from today, we'll be back at the community center next week. Uh, of course, at the discretion of the house churches uh, to be together next week. But guys, thank you so much for being on. If you need anything this week, feel free to reach out. Thank you, all of you that have been so kind and generous, uh, bringing food to, to us and to others that have been sick. Uh, it's just been a real blessing and a real gift. Thank you for uh, being the church in action. So we love you guys. Russ, thank you again. God bless you. Thank you all for being on today. Have an awesome day. We'll look forward to being in touch soon, guys. See you later. God bless you all. Bye-bye.